Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question. In the second half of my talk with Ken Flower, we delve more deeply into what it means to Sabbath and also how he's leading his family in spiritual disciplines. Thanks for listening. Talk a little bit more about Sabbath, because um, yeah. as I was reading through through some of the uh, the the study guide or whatever yeah. it is for, that uh, you yeah. for Doxa, um, there's kind of uh, different nuances of reasons of to do it, right? Like yeah. there's practical reasons that it benefits you, yeah. But then there's also like identity reasons, like you're created for this, yeah. And then there's also kind of uh, like the word that comes to mind for me is an intimacy reason, like yeah. you need you need to do it to create an intimacy with God, yeah. And some of those, like the practical ones are more obvious, right? Like right. even to delight and to right. just to resist and to, to make the time yeah. is, it's, it's just, uh, it's just more obvious. Yep. Whereas the worship piece and the identity piece, those, the way that I think at least they sneak up on me a little bit more. They're not as yeah. obvious of like, oh, I didn't really think of myself as identifying one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the the Sabbath guide, uh, a co a co- colleague Amy wrote half of that, so okay. her and I teamed up on that, and she wrote the second one was on Sabbath as an act of resistance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big kind of maybe we don't think about that piece as much is like our if we don't stop and rest, then we are then we are being formed in the you know in a way that is against the way of jesus right mm-hmm. that we're like we're the buying that we're pushing towards is burnout <laughs> yeah we're buying into this story that's not a true story that mm-hmm. our identity is found in what we do what we accomplish mm-hmm. um and and what we consume our joy is found in those things and that we can't stop and so the the culture says we have to do more consume more produce more mm-hmm. you know all of that and so sabbath it really it's an act of resistance mm-hmm. um Resistance of something that we're not actually aware of. Though, yeah, right? that we're in this current that we don't even realize that says this is who we are and mm-hmm. and we need to produce more, do more, consume more, all of that. And and we're saying that's not that's not true. That's not what God made us for. And mm-hmm. so there's a resistant resi- – I think Walter Brueggemann actually wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance hmm. that just focused on, the, on that idea. And, and there's, a, there's another great book by A.J. – Swoboda called subversive Sabbath, that it's a subversive idea in our culture mm-hmm. to actually stop when our work is not finished. Mm-hmm. It's never finished, oh, but we right. actually just like stop and we don't define ourselves by what we do. Yeah. And and that's very subversive. And so it's it does tie into our our, our identity is that we're not defined by our doing. Mm-hmm. We're defined by who God says we are. And so the Sabbath if we really believe that, then we're able to stop and just rest in God, even yeah. when our work isn't finished. And uh, I mean, it's not—it's it, not even just a um, like a, a polar opposite thing, like where like you are to some extent identified by what you do, right? Because that's how we talk. Like, right? right I, I'm an accountant. Yeah. You're, you know, that's one of the first questions we ask each other. What right, do you do? and yeah. it, it's an easy way to understand. This is what fills my day. Yeah. Um, but it's not the primary way that we need to see, view ourselves and be identified right. is more of what we mean by like, this is your identity is not in what you do. Right. Cause those things change, right? You're not going to, yep. you're not yep. going to be an accountant for, for the rest of your life. Right. And so I don't know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you will. Oh, if you loved it as much as I do, Ken, right. <laughs> you <laughs> speaks like a true accountant. Yeah. yeah. 
I think, yeah, I mean, that's what happens as people get to the end of their career and they, mm-hmm. you know, they've lost their identity when the retirement hits and they don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, if even like Sabbath is just a reminder once a week that I'm not, I'm not defined by how much I've gotten done. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to do for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? For some of us, it's hard to do because we define ourselves by how much we've accomplished that week. Yeah. For some of us, it's hard to do because it, there's an element of giving up control. Mm-hmm. We're like, I have to like, even though there's a bunch of things that are left out there, yeah. ropes whether, it's, that, whether it's dishes, yeah. whether it's relational. Loose ends. Yep. Yeah. And it's saying, I'm going to like Projects on the house. let go of control and just trust that God can actually take care of my life yeah you know for a day yep and yep. it's okay for me to like just trust that he's it's like got the it. tyranny of the urgent yeah yeah so there it's 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 hard for us to do uh, for a lot of different reasons and um, but i think for for those reasons it's even more important for us to do which of those reasons is hardest or is most prominent to you yeah for me it is the defining myself by what I've accomplished, yeah, right? Yeah. By what I do. Achievement so, driven. And- totally. Like when I go on vacation, it's hard for me sometimes to settle into just just like resting and being on vacation. Yep. And I start to feel like I should be like I, I should antsy? be accomplishing something. I yeah. should be doing something. Like I feel antsy, like, you know, what have I actually gotten done? Yeah. And it's and it takes me a while actually just to like settle in and you just kind of rest. unwind from that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you does that, um, I was going to call it an anxiety, but does that, that kind of, um, the gravity of wanting to do things, yeah. does that, do you find that you're able to let that go or does it persist at a, at a, at a same or increasing strength when you're, when you're on vacation or whatnot? I mean, yeah, it's, I, you know, I think it's changed over the years, but I think, I think, you know, I think there, I'm learning to like, just rest and move into that move into rest more quickly and be okay with things that aren't done and not it's not even that i'm okay with there being loose ends like i'm okay with that yeah but it's more for me like i feel like i should be producing something Mm -hmm. right now and um and so being okay that that i'm not that i'm not actually accomplishing anything i feel like god's helping me move into that more quickly Mm -hmm. yeah um does beth help you recognize that yeah, yeah, she's she's very good at like she she just is smacking. She likes to have fun. Say, yeah, yeah. So she's good at just like yeah. She's uh, your fun side. Like Christy's yeah. my fun. She side. does bring fun. <laughs> she brings fun to our family. Yeah, to our marriage for sure. So that that's yeah, that's really helpful. Um, you've said a few times uh, that just trying to be mindful that we haven't arrived. Yeah. Um, it almost makes me think that that that's a, a bad terminology for for how we should think about these these yeah. habits and disciplines is yeah. there uh would you agree with that and is there a better way that you would frame it yeah i mean i think a right to have arrived is to be jesus right yes and so right. there's a you know i think paul in second corinthians i think it's second corinthians four uh talks about being transformed from one degree of glory to another mm. It's a really, I think that's a really helpful picture of what actually spiritual formation is. Mm-hmm. It's this, and before that, it's talking about we with unveiled face behold the glory of God and are trans and are uh, transformed from one degree of glory to another. And I think that is the process that is a lifelong process. So, the you know ultimately we are transformed to be made perfectly into the image of Jesus. But that is, that is 
the that's the end goal. That's what God is moving us towards, and that's not going to happen, I think, until until a new heaven and a new earth when we're completely free of this mm-hmm. body of sin, right? And mm-hmm. and um, and have restored bodies, and so I think the process though is that one degree of glory to another, mm-hmm. right? It's like that is just our, the rest of our life, mm-hmm. but it's only going to happen by beholding the face of God, right? Right? right. Like that's that as we spend time that's why we say be with jesus become like jesus do what jesus did so it starts with just beholding jesus paying attention to jesus Mm -hmm. being with jesus yeah because through jesus we see we see god he's the image of the invisible god and so we we just spend time with jesus and then through that the spirit uses that to form us one degree of glory to the next to become more like him and ultimately, so that we're then able to actually do what he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be our whole life. Yeah. It, it, it's, it is hard um, for me, at least sometimes in the sense of, like, if you use cooking in some ways. Like, you can, yeah. you, you can kind of, once in your life, make, a, make an incredible cake or yeah. incredible dessert. But can you do it over and over and over right. and over again? And the kind of that habitual nature of it uh, and the the repetition is kind of it, it's it's what defines like the the great uh, to keep the cooking analogy what defines great bakeries or right. bakers those sorts of things right and so uh, and but in that sense too it's not having arrived it's just being creating good habits and being right. able to repeat them and repeat them well and faithfully. Right, um, right, right, right. Well, and even the habits, <coughs> excuse me, the, getting choked up <laughs> talking about this. This is really emotional for me to talk about. <laughs> the The habits themselves are not the goal. Right. So, it, you know, the... Um, I think, which is where legalism begins to creep in, though. If yeah, absolutely. If it's like I need to perfect my Bible reading, mm-hmm. or I need to perfect my prayer, mm-hmm. then you've you've missed the whole point, of right, it, right? Right. So the goal is intimacy with God. Yep. It's it's to know His love mm-hmm. and receive His love mm-hmm. and be able to love in return. Yep. And so the these practices or disciplines. Um, Dallas Willard says these aren't, he even says these aren't acts of righteousness. We can't view these as like righteous acts. They're just indirect means of like change, like that God uses to, to kind to of change us and form us. Yeah. And so, um, they, they can't be like perfecting the perfecting my rhythms can't be the goal. It's intimacy with God. Hmm. is the goal and, yeah. and knowing and like, do you feel closer to God do you do you, do you yeah. not just feel because that kind of has a, a lack yeah. of definition to it but yeah know, do you do you recall him in his words when, when, as you think through the day and like in the yeah. same way that we try to achieve and this, I, I've realized to some extent too that's where marriage is a helpful analogy for those of us who are married yep. or even just any close relationship like mm-hmm. who who do we value? Whose voices and words do we come to yeah. mind most uh, prominently as yeah. we go through our day, as we make decisions? Yeah. And who impacts our decision making, right? Like, yeah. Because in, in the most obvious way, because I'm married, then that impacts how I interact with, you know, any other woman right. in, in the world. Right. And yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think, yeah, that, I think that's a good, a great example because our, 
our um, our intimacy with God, right, is like there are specific rhythms like marriage has where if you if you're going to pursue intimacy with your wife, like you're going to commit to then like date, you know, dates and time together. And like mm-hmm. intimacy is going to suffer if you're not actually scheduling and planning right. ways to spend time together. Yeah. And, and it's the same way in our like relationship. Sabbathing in your yeah. relationship with your, with your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, what are, Sabbath, though, because, I mean, I, there are some, I've heard of some people in, from legalistic backgrounds that are kind of, yeah. they kind of recoil a little bit. With, sure. People talk about Sabbath. Um, um, and and in, in the guide that uh, you and you said her name is Amy. Amy, yeah. Wrote, like, there's just different suggestions of like, hey, here's some things you could try. And I yeah. remember hearing John Mark Comer say like, hey, you know, it can be reading a fictional book and not feeling guilty. It right. can be, you know, just leaving the dishes in the sink and saying, it's fine. Right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things. What are some of the things that you have found? Um, I was going to call it habitual, but, um, yeah. but like, <laughs> sounds, sorry, it sounds like a bad word, um, but good uh, yeah, Sabbath yeah. habits. Yeah. And I, I think it is helpful to say it's going to be different for everyone to some extent. Because it's right? personal, right? Right. Because you got to think, the goal is thinking about, the, here's, I, I think it's helpful to ask what's life giving mm-hmm. versus like what, you know, what, what is energizing, life giving, um, what is restful, uh, what, what do I, what kind of work do I do all week long? So, mm. so I'm not doing that same kind of work. And like, yeah. so that when you ask those questions, the answers are going to be different for different people. For us, I think being outside is really helpful, you know, when we can to just part of that is like, in some ways, I think it's easier to be more aware of um, at least if, if we're intentional of God's presence and, and like his work when you're seeing his creation all around you. And mm. there's so much beauty here that I think it definitely helps. But uh, outside being with, you know, enjoying our, the people God's put in our lives, starting with our family and, um, you know, just being with our kids and Beth and I being together, like that's super important for us on Sabbath. And for me, like, you know, going on a run could be, is life giving for me. Like, Hmm. so some people say, well, isn't that like, that's where if you start making rules that apply to everyone, then it becomes this new kind of legalism. It becomes building guard fences and more fences and fences to keep us away from those other fences like the Pharisees did. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not what we're talking about, but, but that's even helpful to realize, right? That makes yeah. it makes, that helps us, that can help us realize that we are, we, the way that we think may not be as far off from the yeah. Pharisees as we want to think. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And it, our tendency is going to be to, to do that, at least for a lot of us to start creating, fences and barriers and that's not the goal of Sabbath. The goal is to stop and delight in God and enjoy him and rest in him and to do to do things and to experiment, try different things that mm-hmm. you know you know doesn't have to be the same every week, but to to do things that help us uh, worship and delight and just enjoy. So to eat a really good meal could be mm-hmm. a you know an opportunity just for delighting in his gifts and worship and right. to do that in a way that's slow with people you love and um to read a good book or to take a walk outside or 
to go on a run or go spend time in the mountains. Do a puzzle. Do a puzzle. Yeah. Like all of that. I mean, I, there needs to be an element of like there is an intentional time, a, a way we need to intentionally, I think, really engage in worship, mm-hmm. whether that may be gathering with your church mm-hmm. or if, if you're not, if that's if you're Sabbathing a different day, maybe it's just spending time in prayer, like having an extended time just to spend in solitude or in prayer and, you know, meditating on scripture. I think I, I, it's not just a self-care day, in other words. Like, sure. That's yeah, the other spot day. Is like <laughs> yeah. we can start to say, well, I'm just going to do like, yep. here's, you know, you know, I'm going to go to the spa and like right. just create this amazing. Not that it can't be. Oh, that yeah. It can't be some of the Sabbath days, but. But the ultimate goal is worship, right? right? Like it's to, it's that we enjoy these gifts mm-hmm. and rest to direct our hearts to enjoy the giver of those gifts. And so if, if we're not ultimately being moved towards worship, then like something's off in yeah. our Sabbath as well. So it's not a self-care day yeah. by itself, but, um, but it is enjoying what God's given. Right. And, and I think that looks different for a lot of different people. Um, yeah. Are there things that you've tried where you're like, oh, that was not life giving. That was not helpful. Like, oh, that pedicure was not it. <laughs> I love pedicures. Actually, I've never had a pedicure. I probably, I probably need a pedicure. Next Sabbath. Next Sabbath. You, you and Beth. Yeah. As we should go it's... get a couple pedicures. Yeah. <laughs> we'll watch the kids. I think mine would take like three times as long. Um, <laughs> three times as much. Th- things that are not, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I could think of anything off the top of my head. I think one thing we've realized we that's helpful for us to to be careful about is for us a lot of so a lot of the work that is it, that we are called to right now is a lot of like um, emotional work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So as we're thinking about people, maybe we're shepherding or people we're uh, walking with, and maybe some of the things that they're burdened with, and so there's a lot of that kind of counseling and shepherding type work, and it's not actually working with your hands, right? It's not you're not breaking a sweat over it, but yeah. there's a lot of like mental energy spent on that, and I think being careful not to bring that into the Sabbath and spend that day trying to think through maybe someone else's life and the shepherding that needs to happen there, and not. Not doing that mental work mm-hmm. on that day, trying to avoid that in a lot of ways, because that—that's the work that we're doing all week long. Right. And, and I, that sounds unspiritual, right? Well, like, it, it sounds uncaring, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I need to push their needs aside. Right. But, uh, but that kind of goes back too to like the silence and solitude, helping you know what what are the what's the white noise in your head? What what are the voices yeah. that just kind of preoccupy you and yep. can. Um, be that distraction for you yeah 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 and you know for me it's like i it's that kind of work is the work that it's the work pastors are called to right like to shepherd and so you could feel bad like well i should never stop shepherding but that can quickly become a i need to do this in order to be okay Mm -hmm. like i'm you know what i mean like it's the same way you could define yourself by it's a kind of gluttony almost any kind of work right and it's like you become dependent you could become, you know, it's codependent, classic codependency where I'm dependent on other people needing me. Hmm. And so I need... Like the twos on the Enneagram? Yeah. I mean, for <laughs> sure, like a two on the Enneagram would, would definitely have to think about are they are they driven by being needed by other people hmm. and that they're not okay unless they're needed and wrapped up in someone else's problems. Right. And, and um, if we can't stop from meeting people's needs all week, then there could, you know, we I think we need to think about is that become for us 
what we're dependent on, that how we define ourselves. Yeah. I mean, and, and can we trust God to care for their needs, mm-hmm. right? Can we just say that he's got them? Sure. And it's, I don't have to, I don't have to carry their needs seven days a week. It's not on, I'm not Jesus, right? Yeah. Only he can do that. I mean, that's kind of how I felt a little bit when I left my first job, uh, you know, to, to go to another one. I was yeah. like, oh, are they going to be okay without me? Yeah. And it's not for this, like, you know, I'm the savior type of mentality, but it's just like, this has just been my rhythm. This is just what yeah. I've done. Right. Are they going to be okay without me? Totally. And it can be yeah. like that. Yeah. Would you say though, too, um, cause you mentioned, um, kind of identifying, uh, being, feeling identity in your achievement and yeah. productivity. I think you said you're a three on the Enneagram. Um, yep. it does, did, in that, in that way, would you say the Enneagram has kind of helped you articulate yeah. Some of the the anxieties, or maybe, I don't know if anxieties, but some of that white noise for you. Yeah, I think it, it's a, it, it is a helpful tool that for us has accurately described the way that we've, the way that we are and the way we approach and think about life. So mm-hmm. it's whether it's... True for uh, Beth too? For Beth as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. She's not a three, but yeah. No, no. She's, yeah, she's, she nine is her highest okay. on, the, on the Enneagram. And for us... Both of those very accurately describe kind of how we think and approach. And it's a mixture of how God's made us. It's a mixture of our own brokenness and sin and a mixture of how we've been nurtured. Yep. You know, it's it's a complex mixture of all of that. Yep. But it does it does accurately describe that. So I have to be very careful and aware of like, am I, am I um, finding my life by what I accomplish mm-hmm. and what I do? And is that... Am, I can very easily say I'm okay as long as I, as long as I do enough and right. people and perform like right. performing for others and the way people perceive me can mm-hmm. be really, really important to me and drive me. And so it can look really, really good on the outside because it, lo- it can look like someone who's successful it or driven yeah. and has it together, but it's, it can be really just this desperate desperate need for kind of a rat race mentality yeah like, just to be okay i have to perform yeah you know what i mean um it, it's it's weird too because it, it is also your strength right like you're able yeah. to produce stuff and get stuff done where your attention right you know or where you naturally gravitate towards right. so figuring out how to appropriate that yep. but then also not uh, wrap yourself up in like yeah identity wise yeah and that's that's i mean and even within the enneagram tool they they'll distinguish between a resourceful, a resourceful resourceful score and a non-resourceful score. So for each of the nine types, there's resourceful and non-resourceful. So resourceful means I use that. I tend to if you think about each of the types as a tool in a toolbox, mm-hmm. right? Um, three would be the tool that I reach and use the most, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And and the resourceful means I use it in a life-giving way that's not unhealthy. Mm. And non-resourceful is I, I use it in a way that's destructive and is unhealthy. Oh, interesting. And okay. so that's I think that's a helpful way to think about it. Where yeah, like there's parts of that that's that's how God's made me. Yep. There's parts of that you that shouldn't can be, deny it. That can deny be good, entirely. right? Yeah. And like it's it can be a gift to be someone who is you know can get things done and be productive and efficient. Like that can be a, a gift from God, um, but it also can become a destructive thing and an unhealthy thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, being aware of those is really helpful. 
Um, How do we get into Enneagram all of a sudden? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's been big at my work, and we've just been talking about it. And uh, some someone defined it to me as Christian Harry Potter. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, like, they're, obviously they were joking, but it is. It's, you know, it's like, like wizardry. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Christian Harry Potter. Well, what's fascinating? I mean, not to go down too far, too much farther down that rabbit trail. Like, uh, I always had this kind of, um, I don't know. Uh, hesitancy towards uh, personality tests and yeah. whatnot because sometimes because when you take them it it can feel really uh, if you feel like a relief or satisfying because like oh this is the articulation that I've wanted yeah, about right. some of the impulses or feelings or thoughts that I've yeah. had yeah yeah but in in my mind the problem can uh, a problem can be when you uh, are complacent with that when right. like oh cool. Now I now I know who I am. I don't need to do anything with it. Right. Like it's not a tool in the toolbox. It's a sense of identity. You define yourself by it. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I think that's the that's where it can become dangerous. If I say that's just who I am, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm just gonna then we start excusing things in our lives. Like, well, that's just who I am. So right. Yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to do that. Or yeah. that's just I'm just that. That's my personality, right? So like. Yeah. And and um, I think that or we start weaponizing it to. Mm-hmm. Put it, you know, to take a number and put it on someone else and saying, well, they're just an eight. And right. so that's why they're that way. And As opposed to like, oh, I'm understanding them. This is why they do that. And how right. can I, you know, address them differently or Speaking care for them? Way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And so it's, you, we'd have to be careful. I think thinking it as a tool mm-hmm. is helpful, but not as a like identifying herself by it. And it's right. been helpful for us because when I, the more I've understood it, it's rang really true um, as a, as a way of describing something right i think it's yeah. just a tool that helps us put some like i think how you said it earlier put some language to maybe um to to some realities under underneath in yeah. terms of how god's made us yeah yeah um how has the so with all these things um with the spiritual formations yeah and the different disciplines yeah. um it, is the the church been enjoying it <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because it's hard I mean there's a little bit of like you just put it out there yeah. and you don't really know how it's being that's, used. That's sometimes church leadership in general. Right. right? You're just like kind of throwing stuff out and hoping yeah. it sticks. So, uh, I mean, we've gotten some feedback because we've designed these intentionally to be used not just by individuals, but in communities. Yep. And so... Because that's, that's where it really helps to land, right? Yeah. Right. You can't... I mean... There's benefit to just thinking through this on our own, right? Mm. But there's even more benefit from thinking through this in the context of people that know us and love us. Mm-hmm. And so I think the communities that have been using this, for us it would be our missional communities and DNA groups. Mm-hmm. Those, the ones we've gotten feedback from that are using it, it's been, they, it's been helpful for them. Um, now it's still, you know, I think... How, you know, the true measure is like, are people becoming more like Jesus, right? Like yep. That's the goal. Yep. And that's, I think, a long term. I don't think we can look and be like, well, the, the data says over the last three months that <laughs> we've grown 38% more like Jesus. It's really hard to measure. But are we becoming, are, you know, is discipleship happening? That's the goal. Right. And so I think long term, you know, we'll see how you know, how this, how God's going to use this. Yeah. It's a little bit unknown, but people are, there are people engaging with it and um, saying it's helpful Mm -hmm. for for them in different ways. I think people are coming into this in different spots too. Some that already had a rhythm of Sabbath, some that had never heard of Sabbath, some that 
would have said Sabbath was just a a weird thing or a legalistic thing. And so we're yeah. all kind of starting in different places. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then you said uh, starting in October is scripture reading. Bible reading, scripture yeah. reading. Yep. Okay. Yeah. What's going to be, I mean, that, the so for me, when I was thinking through it, the silence and solitude and the Sabbath were the more like newer ideas in some senses, mm. whereas prayer and scripture reading those are like the probably classic. Yep. Yeah. Like, like no matter did you, did what. you spend your half hour in the morning? Right. Are you good? No matter what tradition someone came from, they probably were told to read their Bible and pray every day. Right. right? But those are like the classic. Which is, I mean, that's because they're like. They're good. Crucial. Right? <laughs> yeah. like you, you can't pursue any kind of intimacy with God if you're not in his word and in prayer. Right. So obviously that's that's huge. Um, sorry, what were you going to ask? Though? So, uh, is there anything unique about the script, the the Bible reading? Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to put out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there'll be anything that's like, and hopefully with all of these things, there's nothing that's brand new, yeah. right? I mean, these are ancient practices. There may be something that maybe, maybe is newer if you, depending what church tradition you came from, that maybe you didn't hear taught as much about. But nothing's really going to be hugely new. I think for some people. We're, for some people, maybe scripture reading is has been more just, depending on your background and tradition, for mm-hmm. some it, it tended to be more Bible study mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and focused maybe on what is the meaning of the text and kind of stopping there. Mm-hmm. And that's huge, right? I mean, we have to understand like what is the meaning, the meaning of yeah. the text. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we can't, I, I would say that's, that's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone... Any anyone can study Greek and Hebrew and, and like it's kind of an academic yeah uh, if, drive. If you just do that, then and, and it doesn't change you, then I think that's it's actually incredibly dangerous because you're feeling you're you're actually becoming more aware of truth, mm-hmm. and then it's not changing you, and you're not sure living in light of like it. Like the demons, but yeah. you're held more accountable because right. you know more. So yeah, you know I think Scripture has something to say about that. It's actually more da- a dangerous spot to be. So what we're really pressing pressing towards, and actually it, it's shaped the way we're approaching these this quarter, is we're gonna basically the the last week, the last part. There's four parts. The last part is focused on being hearers and doers of the word. So the first part is just focused on kind of foundations, like mm-hmm. like why we need to be shaped by Scripture, mm-hmm. and that God is inviting us to hear from Him through His Word and and to know Him through His Word and. So that's that's the first part. The second part is learning to be with God in His Word. So really focused on meditation, script, biblical medica- meditation. The third part is focused really on being saturated by His Word. So we're going to focus more on memorization. Okay. And then the fourth part is being hearers and doers of the Word. So it's got to change us. Yeah, yeah. It really has to change us. And so I think for someone that maybe came from a background of you know, is more academic, mm-hmm. then this hopefully helps them... Round it out a little bit. Yeah, like learn to not just ask what does it mean, but to say what is God saying to me through this? Like mm-hmm. not just what what is he saying to the original audience, but like God is still speaking through his word and wants to do something in me and help me see him and, and understand myself more fully and, and be changed by it. And so really pressing further in so that it actually is changing us. And ultimately it needs to change our like how we're acting, right? Mm-hmm. James says we're not, not not just hearers but doers of the word. So um it you know, hopefully that's gonna be helpful for people. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, because it, it'll be, I guess, my thought is that it'll be a little harder because people feel like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. Right. And um, trying to grab their attention more uniquely to engage it uh, and help them kind of see and evaluate, is this actually helping me become closer to, to yeah. God? Yeah, totally. Um, last question. Yeah. Uh, uh, your kids are almost 12, 10, and 6, Yes. Right? How are you... How are you parenting them through these disciplines yeah. and um, and how do you quantify for them uh, a sense of intimacy with God? Yeah, so uh, parenting them, I think we're still learning like what that looks like. But You haven't arrived? Yeah, we haven't arrived. <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, we, the, the rhythms right now we have, I can say kind of what it looks like right now for us. Uh, we do think like we need to be intentional to probably for us right now, it's going to be engaging in these rhythms with them together with them yep. and, and um, talking about it and talking like, about doing together. this for this because they yeah. need to see, they need to learn how to do it. Right. A. And so the best way for them to learn how to do it is to do it together with us. Yeah. So instead of me just telling my like 10 year old, caught than taught yeah, if I tell, if I tell my 10 year old, Hey, go, I want you to spend 30 minutes reading the Bible every day on your own. It's not, that's not bad, and God would use that, but I think even more valuable is to say, let's sit down and read the Bible together, mm-hmm. right? And, like, let's talk about how we study Scripture, and but not just study it, but, like, meditate on it and how we pray and, and how to cultivate intimacy. And so for us right now, that there's time every morning where it's actually Beth. I'm, I've already started working, but it's right before, right before the kids start school that they're just spending time reading Scripture together. Right. Which is a little easier since they're doing school at home, right? Yeah, so that that's been helpful. They don't have to get to the bus, you know, or get get right. to school as early. So, they that's been a pretty consistent rhythm for them of just reading. You know, they kind of slowly going through through different books of the Bible and just reading slowly, and um, and then just a time of prayer. So they're doing that every day. With our older ones, we're starting to do a once a week with each of them separate. Uh, just sitting and reading together, but we're like actually you, Beth, and one of the kids. Exactly, um, and actually showing them how to do, like how to meditate on scripture. So there's there's all sorts of methods. There's this one that I found helpful called Bread B R E A D, which is start. It's an acronym, right? So Bread Be Still. So starting off with just being still and um, and quieting our hearts and just kind of trying to enter into a space where we're listening to God and mm-hmm. attentive to his voice and then read. So reading, reading a passage, usually something not too big, just something kind of shorter paragraph. Um, and then encounter E is encounter. So it's not just reading, but it's actually like starting to trying to see mm-hmm. Jesus and pay attention to him in scripture, which gets us a little bit past the academic side. Yeah. It's things. beyond just like understanding it as this passive distant, you know, academic, but mm-hmm. to actually trying to imagine, you know, p- putting myself in that scene with Jesus and trying to see him and encounter him in that, in that, you know, if I'm reading through the gospel of Mark, which we are with one of the kids, um, just actually trying to imagine being there and seeing Jesus there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, and each time you're kind of reading, rereading the passage. So read it, encounter him read it again and then the a is apply so it's asking god what do you want me to see what do you what are you actually bringing to mind and 
and then D is devote. Wait, a, a was, a, what was apply. Oh, okay, apply. And then D is devote. So it's moving from not just reading towards seeing Jesus, encountering him, uh, being changed by him through his word, and then devoting, basically asking the spirit to then help us live in light of that. And so it's pretty, it's just a simple, easy to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's actually based off, it's based off the pattern of this ancient practice called Lectio Divina, which oh, stands right, right, for right, divine right. reading. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Latin word, divine reading, okay. where you basically read through the text three times huh. with, you, you're reading through a short passage with kind of a different goal each time you read it. In term, it it's, a, it's a method for meditating on scripture. Huh. And it's just a method. It's not from Scripture, but it, it's helpful, I think, and it's time-tested. The church has uh, engaged in that for centuries. And yeah. this is kind of based on that, but you don't have to know Latin words to go and do it. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Because so, I don't, yeah. Yeah. So we, we do that with the kids, and that's been helpful. And it's just helping them learn how to like read Scripture and meditate and encounter Jesus, see him in Scripture, and apply and, and spending time in prayer. And it's brought up really cool conversations like that. I think they're becoming more in attuned to like what God maybe is uh, putting putting in their heart through His Word mm -hmm. and the things, the ways He's speaking to them through His Word. So you you go through B R E A D uh, every time that you're. you're That's sit the goal. Yeah. yeah. So this actually that once a week thing with our two older kids is something newer that we're starting with them. Okay. And so how long does it take each time? I, you know, honestly, probably twenty to thirty minutes. Okay. You're trying to, you're trying to, you, you know, if Condense. you stretch it too long, yeah. they're yeah. gonna get lose. They're gonna <laughs> start, lose focus. Start yawning and, and yeah. Um, you want it to be a win to where they like feel like that was, you know, something Worth doing they want to do again. Yeah. 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 So that's just, I mean, that's just one. That's just one. I one way that we're doing it. Um, and and then Sabbath is more for us as a family figuring yep. out and and talking even with the kids like what kind of things do you guys enjoy mm -hmm. what's life giving for you guys then let's plan a day yeah. that is something that you guys are going to also enjoy I think as a kid I heard the idea of Sabbath it just sounded terrible to me right right I think sounds like, like doing nothing yeah I think there's a I think the Little House books Little House on the Prairie there's a scene in one of those books I must have heard, had it read to me as a kid yeah where like the Sabbath day they had the more like legalistic view of Sabbath of just you can't do anything and it was like if you do God's gonna be mad at you it was like this very kind of legalistic and so they just had to sit still in a room <laughs> quiet <laughs> like a library like, with no books it was just exactly that and it just and they hated it and like it yeah. just sounded it was not life-giving right? yeah, it was yeah. like this, God called this good <laughs> yeah how is this a good thing and I think that's how I viewed it and so we're trying to help our kids see like this is I would I want for our kids to like see this day as the day they look forward to yeah all week long like it's the best day of the week yeah right and so um trying to cultivate that as a family it's interesting though like when you have more than one kid then one kid may choose something that the other doesn't like right yeah and it's like oh, okay well yeah. <laughs> you're trying to find things everyone <laughs> right yeah. arms crossed well this is their sabbath this, this right. is work for me dad we're gonna rotate who's yeah. yeah uh so bread be still read, read encounter apply and devote exactly huh. yeah yeah, acronyms are kind of, they're cheesy until you like... Until they're helpful. Yeah, right? yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, this is simple enough, I can yeah. I can do this. You can remember that, yeah, huh. totally. Cool. Well, thanks, Ken. Yeah, thanks and, for having me back. Yeah. It's fun to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing uh, over yeah. just across the, the lake in Bellevue. Yeah, so thanks for, uh, thanks for talking about it, wanting to talk about it. Yeah, Lord bless. Yep.
Thanks again for listening to this conversation with Ken Flower. Hope you all are doing well and focusing on faith, resilience, and community.